You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. My sermon this morning, Do Not Be Divided. Do Not Be Divided. Before we get into it, anyone excited for some volleyball this, uh, this evening, this afternoon? I'm excited. We have an ace in our team from our, our, our life group in Miss- and from my life group in Mississauga, and uh, excited to uh, show her skills off. I'm, I'm sure you'll all be excited for that, too. Uh, and be, pre- be prepared to lose, by the way. We'll, we'll, provide, he- we'll provide prayer and healing after uh, the, the, the little game, the match there. But with that said, we are getting into our, uh, we're going back to our series, uh, Faith for All Seasons. We're at the penultimate uh, sermon, the second last sermon to this series. Next week will be the last one. And, and so far we've been going through a study in the different stages of life, in particular at the different stages of our Christian faith, starting from early childhood and us being raised in the fear and knowledge of God. We're calling to mind the value of children in particular, uh, that they are definitely made in the image of God. And last week, we spoke about young adults and young professionals, that sort of stage of life and singleness and, and, and that stage of, of where, where we have the most energy and the most excitement and the most passion to do things for God and utilizing that, seeing the value in utilizing that passion and energy for the glory of God. Now, this week, the season that we'll be speaking on is the season of adulthood. Adulthood. Uh, of course, this doesn't just necessarily mean parents. Uh, if, you're an, uh, if you're somebody that has dependents that you're looking after, maybe it's elderly parents that you're looking after, or, or maybe even nephews and nieces or, 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 or that sort, and you have to have a job, some sort of uh, income to provide and support that, that dependent, then you're, you're technically in this, this uh, uh, season of adulthood. Now, of course, parents are, are there as well, having kids, you know, being in that season, being in that stage of life, and having all these little kids run after you, and, and are very, so, they're so needy, these kids, right? Like, I don't get it, but, uh, but that, that's, the, that's the season that we're in, and maybe along with that, you already have a, an established career. You're, you're, you're done school, or you're, maybe you're still working on your career or, or uh, finalizing um, what you're going to be doing for the most part of your life, and and maybe have other responsibilities other than dependents. Maybe it's a mortgage that you're, you're paying for now or a retirement plan or you're thinking about credit scores and, 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 and down payments on things. All these uh, big financial steps and endeavors that, um, that adulthood sort of brings in that, in that season. At the same time, Maybe for those who have kids, you're thinking about their, their daycare and their education, how to raise them up in the fear and knowledge of God. And, and maybe you're trying to enroll them in programs uh, to, to develop their, I don't know, uh, martial arts skills or swimming lessons or whatever else uh, kind of programs that you want to put them in. All of that to say, the season of adulthood is a busy season. It's busy because of all the responsibilities, busy because of all the dependents that you're looking after, the, the parents or the children that you're, you're looking after. And remember last week when we talked about what Paul, the Paul's suggestion was in, in 1 Corinthians 7, when he was talking to the betrothed, those who weren't married yet, he was saying, hey, maybe you shouldn't get married because those who are married 
have a lot of things to worry about. This is what he's talking about, that season of adulthood. And so this morning, what we want to look at is how should our faith look like in that season of life? When we don't have a lot of time for personal devotions or maybe our responsibilities over family and over work prevent us from completely giving our time, giving our energy to the church or other church or other ministry endeavors. And or maybe when that that season of life, when you're, you're more worried about making sure that there's food on the table than really giving or contributing to a kingdom cause or a kingdom endeavor. How does our faith, how should our faith look like in that season? Well, my hope and and the goal for us this morning is that we would be reminded of that kind of faith, the kind of faith that God expects from us for those who are in that season of life, but also to be reminded of who we are in that season. And as a church community, we should be, we should be encouraged to, to, to minister and, and to really be able to relate to those who, who might be in that season of adulthood who has to go through all those, those worries and all, all those responsibilities. Now, I think it's very important to deal with this because similar to the previous stages of life that we talked about, whether it's childhood, whether it's uh, 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 young adults or, or singleness, there is a negative way that we can deal with those seasons. Or there is some negative effects if we, if we mishandle those seasons of life, and in, particularly in adulthood. Adulthood is often associated with the, the midlife crisis, right? You hear stories of men buying motorcycles at the age of 40. Right? Like what is going? I have eight more years before I guess I could qualify for that. That's great. Uh, but then, you know, at the same time, you have women um, sort of getting work done on themselves, on their bodies, on their faces, just to look younger. And at the same time, there's a lot of stories as well where spouses commit adultery and maybe even get into substance abuse trying to revert back, trying to relive the, the previous stage of maybe uh, adolescence or, or, young, or, 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 or youth, trying to recapture the beauty, trying to recapture the excitement, the feeling of the past. All of that stemming from an, from an unhealthy way of, of dealing with the, the problems, the issues, the pressures, the anxiety that comes with adulthood. And so my desire for us this morning is to really unpack for us the biblical approach of dealing with these anxieties that come in that season. So that our, our faith does not grow cold, so that our faith does not grow stagnant or complacent, but that it would flourish and continue to grow despite the trials, despite the pressures that we might be experiencing in adulthood. You know, so a phrase that uh, we often hear in, in sort of this stage of life in this generation is adulting is hard, right? And can anyone relate to that? It's hard. It's difficult. But that is why we need to see the biblical perspective or, or the biblical approach of dealing with the pressures and anxieties that it entails. And I believe that is what Jesus is getting at in our passage in Matthew chapter 6. So let's jump into it real quick. Everyone say jump for me. Amen. Some context here of what our passage is discussing and what the passage is dealing with. 
This passage of ours is towards the end, uh, the end part of the Sermon on the Mount, the, one of the greatest sermons that, pre- that Jesus preached, the, one of the greatest sermons that was ever preached in, in the world, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus, in this sermon, starts with, of course, you probably heard it or read it before, the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. He talks about how we are salt and light of the world. He elevates the law and the standards of sin when he says that if, you, if you're angry, Agree towards your brother, you're liable to, to the punishment similar to murder. And same thing if, if you lust after a woman in your heart, that you're liable for adultery as well. So he, he shares a lot, a lot of principles in this, in, in the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about how, how to properly give to the, to the poor. He even talks about how, how to pray in the same sermon. Now, after that, he, we get to this passage of ours, a very famous passage as well, where he tells the people, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Now, a good question to ask here is, who is Jesus speaking to? Who is Jesus speaking to? What's the demographic that Jesus is speaking to? Simple answer is adults. He's speaking to the adults. Historically speaking, there wasn't really a, an age group called uh, young adults or young professionals in ancient Israel. People were married young, finished school young, and they had to pick up a trade right away to help support their family. They were expected to start a family even at the young age. We know that even Mary herself, Jesus' mother, in that story of the nativity scene that we'll be celebrating in a few months, she was in the, in the early teens of her life. And so Jesus is speaking to adults in this, in this uh, sermon of his. So Jesus was speaking to people with dependence, people who had responsibilities, those who might have been anxious for the very same things that we might be anxious for, how to put food on the table, where to get clothes on their back, where to get the next paycheck from. He's speaking to that demographic, to that group of people. And Jesus calls them, he calls us to not be anxious, to not be anxious. Now, I think it's very important to define what this statement means. For one thing, Jesus says it three times in our passage, which is very important in, in biblical, uh, when you study the Bible, you know that whenever something is repeated three times, it's very important, not to mention it's a command straight from the Lord. So we need to understand what this, 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 this idea of do not be anxious means, because it can't simply mean do not be complacent. Or, you know, relax, don't worry about where you're going to find food from, or not to worry and, and or work hard because, you know, God's going to provide you that stuff anyways. That's not what Jesus is trying to say in our passage. If so, it would actually contradict God's design for humanity to work and earn their daily bread, right? Do we see that all throughout Scripture, that God calls people to work, that work is a blessing from the Lord, and the way in which He provides us our daily meals, our our food, our resources, all of that. At the same time, if if this passage was calling people to just, you know, to to be lazy and just relax and not worry about any of these things, it would also contradict passages where the Bible calls us to be like the ant who prepares in the summer and reaps during the winter. To be, to be ready for the times of hardship and trials, and, and we read all about that throughout Scripture. What Jesus is actually talking about here when he says, do not be anxious, is important, is important to unpack and to really understand because it'll change our perspective about this entire passage. See, the word anxious in the original Greek is mer-aim-na-o, mer-aim-na-o. 
meaning to be anxious or to, 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 to care for something. But more, more literally, it means to be drawn in opposite directions, to be divided in two parts in the more literal sense of the translation. So when Jesus is calling his listeners not to be anxious, he's saying to them, do not be divided. Do not be divided. And we know that this is Jesus' intent for this passage because if you look at verse 24, the top of our passage, he says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Then he says, going into that whole do not be anxious passage, then he says, therefore, therefore do not be anxious. Do not be Divided. So this is Jesus' focus in our passage. So this, this is important uh, for us to understand as we unpack this because it, it shifts the perspective of what Jesus is trying to say. Jesus is not simply telling us to, to not be anxious or to not worry about where the food's going to come from or where the drink is going to come from or where our clothes are going to come from. The passage serves to call people to not have their faith become divided between the world and God. That's the context of this passage. To not put their faith in the things of the world, whether in this case money, as we just read in verse 24, and the things of God, God himself. It's why Jesus even says earlier in this passage, Matthew chapter 6, he says in verse 19 and 20, Do not lay up your, for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and neither thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus' purpose is to secure the faith of his listeners. By, by tell, but those, those, those listeners who have those responsibilities, who have those dependents, who has to worry about how to put food on the table, who has to worry about their kids, how, how to, who has to worry about their family, Jesus is trying to secure their faith by getting them to not have their faith divided between God and anything else in this world, between God and money, between God and their work, between God and, and, and the pleasures of this world but instead to wholeheartedly put their faith in God himself. See, here's the reality. Here's the truth that Jesus is getting at, right? Anxiety comes when our faith is divided between God and the things of this world. Very simple. Anxiety comes when our faith is divided between God and the things of this world. Our, our hope, when, when, when our hope of security is in money, and that falls through. When, when our, our assurance of joy and satisfaction is having things and material possessions, what happens when we don't have those things? When our, when our relief from fear is in something tangible, what you can count or what you can, what you can keep somewhere, what happens when we lose those things? Anxiety comes. Fear comes. Doubt comes. If your faith for a secure, a stress-free life is in the things of this world and God... But more so the world, your faith is divided. And when your faith is, is in something that is unsustainable, that is unstable, like money, you know, I mean, I'm sure everyone's feeling the effects of inflation nowadays. Maybe if you have a health crisis, or maybe if you lose a job, all of that stuff. If, if our faith is in these things of the world, then of course we'll be anxious. Of course doubt and fear will creep in. Of course we'll worry about where we're going to get our food, about where we're going to get the, the clothes on our back. 
the things that Jesus is talking about here. But Jesus is saying, don't do it. Don't. He's saying, do not be anxious. Do not be divided. Do not split your faith between God and money, between God and the world, between God and anything else that you can, do, you can put it in. It's just going to cause you trouble. And again, this is, and he, gets, he says it for good reason. He says in verse 24, again, of our passage, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot have serve God and money. He's talking about preferences here. If you're living for two masters, God and money, in this example, if, if God does not give you what you want, when you want it, it becomes too easy for us to, to, to turn to the lesser alternative, which is money or anything else in this world. Anything else that, that gives us a superficial, quick fix kind of, kind of uh, feeling. You'll end up preferring or even turning to or and pursuing something that, that doesn't truly satisfy. That doesn't truly give us security or happiness. That isn't truly God. And the simple truth here is that the tendency is to become more devoted to those things than God. It's easier to become devoted to the things that are tangible, that are, are again, those, those quick fixes in life than to God himself, than to completely give our devotion and attention to the Lord. So Jesus is trying to secure his heart's listening. He's trying to secure our hearts from being divided. And how does he do this? Well, he does so by emboldening the faith, securing the faith of his listeners, of those, in, in the, those who are in this situation. Look at, let's look at our passage. Um, let's look at our passage in verse 26. He, he reminds his listeners of their identity. Look at this. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are, are you not of more value than they? Then verse 30, he says, But if God secludes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Verse 32, he says, For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He, he compares uh, us to, to birds, to flowers, to the world. Jesus is securing the faith of his listeners by reminding them of their identity. By reminding them of their value in the eyes of God. So let's look at the value of adulthood, similar to the past week. Let's look at the value of adulthood. Christ remedies the people's lack of faith by reminding them that they are valued and cared for and loved as children of the Father. In the previous weeks, we looked at the value of children, how they were image bearers of God. We looked at the value of, of young adults and, and, and their signalists, how they can have the, they have the potential to be undivided in their attention and their focus and their energy towards the things of God, their, their, their passions and their energy, all that stuff. They can, they can solely focus on God. Now, it seems like the common mentality that when, for those who get into that, into the adult stage of life, adulthood, who has dependence and responsibilities, it seems like as we settle down, as we get older, the mentality is that we grow out of all of those things, of all the other values that we talked about uh, in the previous stages of life. Somehow we're less, we're, we're less of an image bearer of God just because we're no longer children. Or our value diminishes because we can't, we can't just uh, pick up and, and leave to go on missions or to give our time and energy to the church. You know? And oftentimes our thought is that when we're in this stage of life now is that our best years to the Lord is behind us. 
And you can probably relate with this, maybe those parents, maybe the, the older folks here, maybe you think back, you know, oh, I remember when I was young and I went on these mission trips and I did all of these things. It's oftentimes the mentality is that the best of our faith, the best of the things that we could do for God is behind us. And maybe it comes with this season. You're no longer a child, and, and maybe the thought is that you need to, just as you've grown up physically and matured physically, that you have to grow up spiritually and no longer have to consider yourself as a child of God. Well, listen to what Jesus is telling his listeners in our passage. Your value to God does not change as an adult. Your value to God does not change as an adult. You're still a child of God. You're still, you're, you're still cared for and loved as a child of God. Jesus is talking to adults in our passage, but he's reminding them that even though that they are adults, they are still children of God. Again, in our, in our passage, he repeats time and time again that your father in heaven, your father in heaven. Listen, historically speaking, this was taboo for the Jewish people. No one considered themselves to be actual children of God. This is why Jesus got in trouble so much in the gospel of John, because he was calling God his own father. And so for Jesus to remind these people to, that, that, that God is their father, it's in the same passage that Jesus teaches the people how to pray. To say, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus is reminding these people that they are still children of God and their value has not diminished. Listen, for those who are in this stage of life, adults in this stage of life, your value to God does not diminish when you become an adult. Your responsibilities, your season of life, your, your children, your outward appearance, your bank account, not even the sin, the bad decisions that you've made in this life leading up to where you are right now does not diminish your value in the eyes of God. Even more so as forgiven, bought and paid for by the blood of Christ believers, children of God, your value never diminishes Romans chapter 8, verse 15, Paul says beautifully, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, to fall back into the worry, to fall back into the anxiety of where is these things going to come from? Who's going to provide for my family? You did not fall back into a spirit of slavery, to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The most intimate name that you could call a dad, Abba, Father. My desire for us this morning, to, for you this morning, to be reminded that just as Jesus is reminding the listeners in this passage that you are a child of God. You are a child of God first before you are a mother, a father, a caregiver, a breadwinner, a co-worker, a student. You are a child of God first. A child of God that is very much loved by the Father, cared for by the Father. And the call, the response to that for us is that we are to, to have a faith like a child. Remember, all of this is to secure a faith. And, and so the call for us is to have a faith like a child. Multiple times throughout the Gospels, Christ calls his followers to have faith like a child. The, uh, simple, the, the same way that a child is wholly dependent on their parent for food, for, for drink, for necessities, for clothing, for care, everything. Similar to how a, a baby is dependent on their 
transparent. We are to be wholly dependent on our Heavenly Father. Even when we have dependence of our own. That's where our faith ought to be in that season. Still dependent, still faithful, still reliant on our Heavenly Father. And I think, you, I think maybe those who are in that season, who, who, who've, ha- who've gone through many years and who've gone through many struggles and have so many responsibilities to take care of, that's the word for you this morning. You are a child of God first. You are a child of God first. Now, in order for this to take place, this kind of dependence and this kind of faith to take place, Again, Christ is calling us to not be anxious. Christ is calling us to not be divided in our faith. And, 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 and so that is the call for us in that stage. The vocation of adulthood. Let's talk about that. The vocation of adulthood. adulthood. The call to those who are adults. Again, Jesus says, do not be anxious. It means do not be divided. We become divided when our faith and, and, and even our, our pursuits in life become split between God and money and uh, the world and our career and life and family and everything else. We become divided when, when, as we normally do, as we often do, we compartmentalize the things of God and the rest of life. Where we separate our, our, our faith walk and our faith life to, to certain uh, times of the week, certain days of the week. We say, okay, the weekend is for, for God and church, and, 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 and that's for Saturday, that's for Sunday, but the rest of the week, that's when I got to worry about uh, kids, I got to worry about my job, I got to worry about uh, all these other programs and things that we can be worried about. But again, Christ says, don't be divided, and we're already divided if we're, we're, we're splitting our faith, or, we're, div- or we're, we're, we're separating our faith walk from the rest of our life. We're isolating it into certain parts of the week. So how are we supposed to do this? How do we then remain undivided? Well, Jesus says in our passage, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, Jesus is not saying, you know, just drop everything, you know, parents, whatever, just drop your everything, drop your kids off at a daycare somewhere and go to missions off somewhere in, in the Philippines or whatever it is, right? He's not saying this. And he's not saying to drop all our responsibilities. Uh, again, that, that, that wouldn't be right. That would be wrong, right? To, because we, we're, we're not to abandon responsibilities and the, the people that God has entrusted to us for care and stewardship. I think, I think that is very uh, important to realize and to recognize because the devil will often tempt us to abandon our responsibilities under the guise of living for God or doing something for God. It's not how it works. What the Bible does say is that we can be doing kingdom work, seeking the kingdom first in every aspect of our life, in the various responsibilities of our life. The Bible says, for example... Do everything for the glory of God. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The Bible says when it comes to work in Colossians chapter 3, he says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your word, as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Even when it comes to paying our taxes and submitting to authority in Romans chapter 13, uh, Paul talks about how we're doing that to honor the Lord. In 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10, he says that, that we are to steward our gifts that we've been blessed with. And of course, when it comes to parents with children, 
Paul's call for parents is to not provoke your children to anger, but to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The way that we remain undivided in the midst of all the responsibilities, in the midst of all the dependence that we have in our adult life, is to have everything, absolutely everything, be for the kingdom and glory of God. Whether it's our career, whether it's our kids, our home, our, our finances, all of that is to be stewarded for the glory of God. Listen, your way of service, your way of bringing glory to God in the kingdom of God may not be traveling to a far-off country to, to share the gospel to the lost, but it can be simply as sharing the gospel to your kids. That brings glory, just as much glory to God as if you went somewhere else. Your, 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 your way of, of, of bringing or building the kingdom of God may not be giving uh, your entire energy, your finances, all of it to, to endeavors of the church or of the community of believers, but to simply raise up your family in the fear and knowledge of Christ, to be the spiritual head of your home, to be the one to disciple and instruct the kids, to make sure that, that, that you are diligently serving your family, all of that. Again, the problem occurs, the anxiety occurs, the issue occurs in our faith when we compartmentalize the things of God. We separate the many things that we do from the things of God. But God is, in the midst of all of this, in the conversation that Jesus is having to these, his listeners, he's saying that God is the difference maker, what should separate us believers from the rest of the world. He says in verse 31, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things as well. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Jesus is saying, listen, this, apart from God, we would be the same thing as the rest of the world. Living for money, living for security, living to provide for their family, all of that. The difference maker from, from the world and his followers, the believers, is that we we have the privilege of doing it all for the glory of God. We have the privilege of, of doing it all to serve in service of our creator. If we live or, uh, for food or clothing or the material things, the worldly things, we are no better than the world. Again, God, our, our motivation to serve God is what makes a difference. And again, as, as children of God, that's what we ought to be pursuing in this life. The kingdom, the, the, the idea of, of God's kingdom coming into this world that it, it, is that it must invade every aspect of our life. Every aspect of our life. How we raise our kids, how we steward our finances, how we, well, the, the career path that we choose, is it God-honoring? Is, is, will it bring glory to God? Every decision that we make as an adult, as parents, as those who are taking care of, of dependents, as those who are having to, 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 to navigate mortgages and, and finances and all of that, Our, the goal for all of it is to, to have a kingdom mindset in the midst of it all. It's what Jesus means when he calls us to seek the kingdom first and everything else will naturally come. Again, it doesn't mean that you stop working or you stop caring, or you stop uh, with your responsibilities to your family or to your job. It simply means to put the kingdom work, to put 
God's kingdom at the forefront of everything that you do in this life. And as a result, everything will come. Everything else will be at. Husbands, you want to seek after the kingdom first. Be faithful to your wife. Honor God in your marriage. Minister to, uh, uh, if, you, if you want to, minister to anyone. Minister to the citizen of heaven who is your wife, who is even your husband. You can flip that around as well. We're supposed to put um, God first in everything. And same thing, right, as mentioned, as, as women, wives, you are to, to invest into the spiritual growth of your children, to support and, and to, to honor your husband. Let your faith permeate it. Let it seep through every aspect of your life. That's the call, to have God be a part of every aspect of your life. Now, let's talk about a vision for adulthood. Let's talk about a vision for adulthood. Vision, a vision that we want to set as a church for those who, who are in that stage of life. And many of us are entering into that stage. Many of us are getting married and having a spouse. And you're getting into that stage where you're having to think about mortgages and, and whatnot. First and foremost, the, the call or the, the vision for us is that we, um, we call adults to, to put God first in everything. To seek God's glory in every decision, in every effort, in every responsibility, in every aspect of life that is under them, that is given to me, that has been entrusted to them. It's, it's a call, a vision to, to, to not stop growing even in your adult years. To not stop growing in your walk, in your relationship with God, but actually to have a deeper hunger, to have a, 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 a deeper hunger, to, to grow deeper in your walk, in your relationship with God. To, to not believe that your, your, your best years, your greatest years of your faith and your walk with God is behind you, but rather you are constantly being shaped and constantly being molded, taken from glory to glory, as Scripture says, to become more like the image of Christ. And if that is the case, that means your best years are not behind you, it's ahead of you. It's the call to, or the vision to those who have maybe lost their first love, to find the passion once again, to find their love for the Lord and the things of God once again, to find their passion and hunger for the word of God, for prayer, for the people of God. And of course, it's to cultivate a childlike faith regardless of what season you might be in. A childlike faith that is totally dependent, wholly, um, wholly submitted and surrendered to God. That it finds joy and satisfaction to God. It's, it's a vision to, to, as a church, to provide training, to provide workshops for adults, to, to provide opportunities for, for those who are in that season of life to be able to still serve despite the busy schedules of, of their life, but also to call people to rest. As I was praying about what is it that we want to call adults to, it's to rest to rest from the busyness of it all, to just stop and to once again 
Cast your cares, cast your burdens on a holy God that cares for us. On a God, who, a Father, a Heavenly Father that loves us. To encourage that. Church, many of us are in this season of adulthood. And from the stories that I hear all around me, and even from my own life and the busyness of my own schedule, the, the struggle is real. The struggle is real when it comes to having to try to cut out time, try to carve out time just to spend time with the Lord, just to have those personal... It's really hard to have quiet times with the Lord when your kids are always trying to jump on you, right? When your kids are always trying to grab your attention, but it's a matter of even in those moments, even in those moments, seeing the presence of the Lord in that putting God first in, in how you take care and how you, how you uh, minister to your own family. That's, that's, that's the call, that's the vision that we have for, for those in that stage of life. So for the value, the value of adulthood, remember, those who are in that season, you are still a child of God. God does not stop caring for you. He does not stop loving you. He does not value you any less than a, a, a newborn baby or a, a teen that has all the energy and has all the passion to do things for the, for the kingdom of God. You're not valued any less. You're still a child of God first before you are a mother, a father, a parent, a, a, a co-worker, all of that. The call for us, the vocation for those in this season is to not be divided to not have your faith split between the things of this world and the things of God, between money and, 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 and whatever else that you could pursue in this life, your career, your family, all of it, and God himself, to not be divided, to not be anxious in that sense. And again, the vision for those who are in this season of life is to continually grow, continually become hungry, even in the, in the limited hours of your day for the presence of God, for the things of God. The invitation in all of this for those who are adults or even for anyone is to recall to mind your first love. To put God first again. To recall to mind that childlike faith where you where you have been wholly dependent, wholly secure in the arms of our Heavenly Father. And the invitation for those who have yet to do that in the first place is to put your faith in, in God who has provided not just the things, the material things of this world, not just the material things of this life, but our deepest spiritual need. If you have not put your faith and trust and hope in the God who has secured for us eternity, secured for us a way out of the wrath of God, out of hell itself, the invitation is for you to put your faith and trust in the God who has made a way, in the God who has made a way to be reconciled and, and made a way out of that punishment to come for those outside of Jesus Christ. Church, the call is to put God first. Do not be divided. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we 
Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord, to us. That despite whatever season we might find ourselves in, despite whatever responsibilities, whatever pressures, whatever anxieties that we face day to day, that your view of us, your value of us, does not diminish, does not change. You love us from everlasting to everlasting. You see us as your children first before anything else, oh God. And we know that it's all by your grace. It's all from your love, unmerited and undeserved. There's nothing that we have done to to earn, oh God, this great love of yours. But Lord, help us. Help us, oh God, in, in, in the areas of our life where we are divided, where we have put our faith in our bank accounts, in our career, in our knowledge, in our wisdom, in our education, in our experiences. Lord, forgive us. And I pray that you would draw our hearts, draw our minds back towards you. That our security, our hope, our expectation for a better tomorrow, our love, our joy would wholly be found in you, solely be found in you, Lord. I pray, Father, that you help us in this endeavor because you know how prone we are to wander. How easy it is easy it is for us to just simply turn to the quick fix, to the superficial fix. God, we want something more. We want something deeper. We want a faithful God that stands the test of time, that a faithful God that endures whatever season of trial that comes our way. And we know that it can only be found in you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us in this. We know that you are faithful and good, that you are true to your word. We surrender these things once again in Jesus. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.